Today we get to talk to Jenny E with Jenny e Designs, and she helps design midterm rentals, short-term rentals, hospitality. Um, and I think you said pre-show you've done over 100 setups at this point of setting up these units. Can you describe for me right off the gate, like where, like all across the country, all across the world, like where have these uh, been installed? Yes, it was mostly across the country, and then this year we went international. So we've done Dominican Republic, we've done Tulum. We're heading out to another Mexico. We've got possibly Spain coming up. So it's been branching off into you, whatever is a vacation rental market essentially is where we work. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So like, I mean, I live in Central Valley, California. I would not call it a vacation rental market. Do you guys, <laughs> do you guys still do that? Or I mean, really like just destination places? You know, honestly, it's been really interesting to see a trend because what we've found over the course of the past three years. So pre-Airbnb bust, there was this huge investor onslaught of purchasing in your blue chip market areas. And what we found is that now they're essentially oversaturated or they're overregulated. So we've got a lot of people that are coming to us now. And we're finding more and more places that are what I think is a good thing. It's a return to what hospitality used to be. So like if you think about your average person, most people surprisingly actually never leave their state. They vacation within their state. Like if you think about like how you grew up, what type of vacations your family went, you went to the lake, you went to your local, like not everybody was going out and doing all these cross country trips, cross world trips. If you were lucky, you could, but that's not usually your normal. So we have a lot of investors that are coming to us now and they're like, hey, we actually want to invest in this market because this isn't your blue chip. This isn't your competition. This isn't your high buy-in, but there are still people going to visit these places on the daily. And a lot of them, I'd actually say in the past six months, we've had quite a few investors that are like, I want to invest where I grew up and where I vacation because that's where I go now. So it's been a really interesting transition. And I can't say that's a whole transition, but it's been a, an emergence that's happened recently that I think is pretty interesting to note. So let's talk about blue chip. That, that term is not perfectly familiar. So if you can kind of help define that for us. Yeah, absolutely. So your blue chip market is like your, your big wig vacation markets, things like Gatlinburg, things like Panama City, things that like you say the name and everybody knows that you go there to vacation. Yeah. So like in the investor world, it's, it's, a, um, it's a nickname to say, hey, invest in a blue chip market. And that's usually what they mean. So pluses and minuses about that one if you invest in it and you know it's a vacation market like Gatlinburg has been a hot spot for years even long before Airbnb investors started investing in it people were buying cabins and that's part of the reason that so many designs are going in on now because people are just switching those cabins over and over and over again but um the thing about that market is that as the competition has increased as people are understanding the concept of the business of hospitality, it's not just a property, you're buying into a business. As people are trying to put those into their blue chip markets, you are now getting an increase in competition. So that's something just to be very aware of. Investors are only looking at returns via quantitative data, saying that this is what's supposed to give them the numbers. And then what happens is they get stuck in something and they're freaking out because they're like, these numbers don't make sense. It's because they didn't mix the qualitative. You only got these numbers, but you didn't actually go into whatever host site you went into to see what people are actually paying. Because if we think about the, the idea, I think the conversation, this conversation about real estate investing in the hospitality sense, I give it two years. I guarantee you the conversation is going to be 
what did we do to ourselves in the sense that we have all created the exact same model and now we've out amenitied ourselves and the only way to compete is to drive prices lower. That's what happens to hotels. So yeah. I think in that aspect, there's something to be said about when you're looking at these places to invest and you're thinking about long-term investments, don't only think about blue chip. It's not a bad thing. And you can certainly win in those markets, but you can think outside the box and still be really successful in this space. And like a lot of businesses, right? I mean, when a ton of competition goes to space, there's a drive in two directions, right? There's the, the Nordstrom's mm -hmm. and then there's the complete opposite side, right? So anything yes. that's insanely unique, insanely amazing can can last yep. and maybe even raise their prices to differentiate. Yep. But then there is, but now you have, like you said, a lot of people are going to own these expensive assets that mm -hmm. are not only just a real estate investment, they're a time consuming business and now they're not going to be very profitable. Right. Yep. And like, um, so what's your recommendation? If someone has one of those and they're already feeling the crunch, do they just got to get out of it as quickly as possible or. Um, I don't think so. I think they really need to assess. I think the other thing about when they purchased into it is that a lot of them purchased into it thinking that it was a guarantee that they didn't have to do anything to improve. It had been sitting there. It's in a good market. The numbers are there. I can do the bare minimum and still get a return. Two years ago, you could. Even last summer, you could. What we've seen over the course of the last year as the hospitality market has stabilized because society post-COVID has stabilized, that's not the case anymore. So I think it's not necessarily that if you have that, it's a bad thing. I think if you have that, it's just a different mindset. Like, are you willing to understand that, yes, you bought a property, but the moment that you sign the deal, it's not a property anymore. You actually have a business. So I think the biggest thing that I can you know, tell anybody going into this or who has places that they're stuck. I want you to question whether or not you've changed your mentality to business mindset. Have you spent the funds to hire experts? Because I think a lot of hosts think that they can do everything on their own. And I think a lot of these social media groups kind of promulgate that. And there are some really good people that are really good at what they do, but just because they're good at what they do doesn't mean that you're going to be good at it too. And understanding like how that's going to affect you business, you know, financially, mentally, physically, like all the things that come with running a business. And if you really truly want this to be passive, because it can be, you have to hire out the professionals to do this for you. So I think there's an aspect of understanding what level of ownership and what level of business you want to be in. And once you can kind of grasp the concept that you are a business, you're not just a business, you're actually a brick and mortar business because your property is where you are. So you need to start thinking about how small businesses that are brick and mortar become successful in their area. How are they marketing? Who are you reaching out? What is your target guest? Are you reaching out to alumni? You know, just making a logo and just making an Instagram doesn't cut it anymore. If you don't know how to market and you don't know how to run social media or run an Instagram, don't think that you can do it. And don't think that the mere fact that you have one is going to all of a sudden boost you and make you successful. It's not. Hire the people who know how to do that because this is a long-term investment in that sense. Yeah. In a long-term investment that might continue to lower in its ability to generate income, which really um, is interesting. So, so talking about the blue chip, your recommendation mm -hmm. is to not go after the blue chip areas uh, ish. I won't say don't. I say, if you're going to go into that, have the money. Yeah. Don't yeah. go into that thinking like, know that you're going to have a big buy-in and know that you're going to really need to stand out. Yeah. And know that you're really going to need to market. 
Like you can't, the risk of the, because your buy-in is so high, if you're going to do that, like your failure rate, what you risk when you fail in those markets is really high. So like if you're going to basically know how to play the game before you get into it. 100%. And so for those that really are looking more for financial freedom and passive income, not that any real estate is actually ever passive, but (laughs) that obviously blue chip sounds like it's the opposite of passive in a very real way. What, what opportunities lie in the non-blue chip areas? Like if someone is like, I don't want to compete like that, what can they do? Yeah, for sure. I think part of it is, it's, it is if you really want to be, because there's different levels of passive. And I think that's where the investor really needs to assess what they really are going to do. And the different levels of passive are like the complete passive is where like you have a property manager, you have a social media person, you have your designer, like you're literally passing it off. They're doing everything. You're getting the cash monthly, that kind of thing. Um, Then there are other levels. There are some investors who go into the space because they really like hospitality. And they're really good at it. They really like being hosts. You know, there are, there's that the concept of the hospitable host, which has been a very um, popular book uh, series in this market. And those are investors that talk about what it's like to be a hospitable host and to be in that that realm. So I think part of the attraction for this for some investors is that they want to have some level of participation. That's different than, say, your long-term rental, because that's a very different level of participation, or that's different than merely like flipping, et cetera. They want a little bit more human action because they like guests and they like people and they and those type of things. So, And that's possible. But even if that's the case, one, don't – two years ago, you could get into this and experiment – waver and learn the learn the ropes by being a really good host and be okay. Now, wavering is going to give you a bigger loss than it used to be. So my suggestion would be that if you like that level, then find someone that can put you under their wing for a year. You know, find a good co-host that knows the admin, that knows the system, who knows how to run cleaners, who knows how to run handyman, who knows how to do all the back end stuff. And then you can see how they interact with guests because there's there's it, there's more than just being friendly with guests. You know, there's making sure that you say certain things in ways that you don't increase your liability or there's ways that you're, you know, including certain aspects of like contracts and waivers and things of that nature that all come up. Ways to deal with either Airbnb or VRBO when there's an issue. So like those are kind of aspects of the business that you can still be a really good host and learn under somebody, but be willing and know that just because you like this still means that there's a whole business end to it that you have to learn. Yeah. Do you guys handle the management side of things or just the installs? So we have some co-hosting. We make it very minor um, because that's not the, that's not what I want to get into. Um, We have done it for a few of the properties that we have set up and done ourselves so that we know intimately those properties and we're not going to go wrong. But again, I leave that to professionals. Like I've just done it for a few and we might take on one or two more clients in the next year, but that's not what we do. You know, we, product source, we design, we set up, we intentionally create experiences, logo branding, marketing. Our aspect of what we do is like essentially you're handing us the keys and we want to give you the most successful place that you can take the business afterwards and run with that. So 
I don't want to get into all the other things because that's a whole nother knowledge expertise that is not my bread and butter. Just like I tell investors, if you don't know, hand it off. You are better off handing it off than trying to take on something that you just don't know. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So I'm always fascinated about like business growth. I love sales. I love... I enjoy marketing. I'm not very good at it, but but I, I enjoy it nonetheless. Um, in this type of business, how are you growing your clientele? So we've actually never run an ad. Wow. We've never run an Yeah, never. It's been before and after. So I, if you would have asked me three years ago if this would have been a thing, I would have looked at you like you were high as a kite. Uh, yeah. I, I did not predict it. I think I was very lucky. And honestly, kind of hit it at the right time. At the time that I started doing this, um, there were only one or two of us that were like really honing in specifically on this. There are a lot more interior designers that were kind of doing this or your commercial designers that were doing hotels. Um, I was one of the first, and I had really good advice from a friend within Bigger Pockets, as a fact, um, who was like, you need to be putting your stuff online for people to see. And I totally blew it off. The beginning, I was like, nobody wants to pay. Like, I'm just doing, like, nobody wants to pay attention. And then sure enough, before I knew it, I had people just start coming. And then before I knew it, I had investors that are, were willing to fly out. And then at that point, when I realized that this would become something, that's when I turned it into the business mindset. I was like, because I was just doing it as a side to do whatever I could. At that point, I was like, no, this is a growing niche. And this is a need because so many people are, again, trying to do it themselves. And since then, it, I've been very intentional about growing the business side. There are a lot of designers out there, and this is not a bad thing. I'm just saying there are a lot of designers out there who are doing it on the side, who are doing it as a hobby or doing this, you know, here and there, or they do their own, etc. We went full-fledged. I've got teams, assistant designers, lead designers, handymen, like this became our model of what we do as a business. Yeah. So the ball's rolling. You started the business model. Is it still, it's still all grown organically, right? Like you're still, I mean, and how, how big do you want to see this thing grow? <laughs> I, I've got some plans. I've got some plans that I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Actually, it's been funny because as much as it's grown organically, it also means that I've made mistakes too. So they've been mm -hmm. hard learning lessons, but that's part of any business. And I try to be as candid as I can with people because I want them 
that aspect of trust. So for like example, I launched a design academy this year um, and it was intentionally for designers, not hosts, because there are other lessons out there for hosts. I'm not worried about your host. I'm worried about your person who actually wants to make this a business. And my whole concept, my whole goal was to teach them both the STR, short-term rental, hospitality aspect of design, because it's very different, but also the business side of like working with investors, because working with investors isn't easy, um, how to run your systems, things like that. So a lot of time and effort went into that. And I had actually found a third-party company who was going to run the classroom setup because that's not my expertise. And that third company, like, it completely they botched the whole thing. Completely botched the whole thing. So, like, it was one of those learning lessons where I was like, oh, God. But what ended up happening is I ended up refunding everybody within the class, but I kept, I let them have access to the information. So they're still going through the process of getting the knowledge. And at the end of the day, I'm going to ask them for an evaluation on the information only. And then now that's going to be turned into the next growing step of I'm still being able to take these things from this cohort and put it into the next one. But as far as business goes, like, Sometimes you have these ideas and you want, and it's just like any other business, something happens and you're like, well, it. <laughs> so, but if I have my way, that grows. Um, we have our own betting line. So we worked specifically with a hospitality supplier because quite frankly, I got tired of paying other people for my setups. And I was like, well, how do I pay myself? And then, so we created a betting line. And then on top of that, we wanted to, again, fill a need for hosts. Hosts have a hard time finding betting and then keeping up with it unless you're going through a property management company. And not everybody's going through a property management company. So we decided to create a whole system where you can wholesale and automate betting for hosts. So they sign up with us. And within six, you can choose a six month or a one year refresh. We keep all your information and we just send you either six months or one year. We refresh all your betting for you. So essentially like becoming a problem solver in seeing this and the more you're in it over the next. So so what I ideally what we're going is keep solving those problems as we discover them. And then hopefully next year we'll grow into because we we've leaned into a lot more of the specific experiences um as as things have changed and the market has changed people prioritize experiences not just pretty things so our goal in the next one to two years is actually to partner up and make some very experience specific boutique hotel branding so Mm. i think it'll be good fingers crossed what are some, I mean, obviously you mentioned betting, but what are some of the challenges to the business model? Like, is it like, because are they like time intensive? You can only do so many or. It is, well, <laughs> they, so we, it is time intensive. Um, I think we are fortunate. And part of that was knowing that I wanted this to be a business early on. Um, in that like we are on site for our setups. Five days is our average setup. We're in there and out unless it's something particularly large or something really unique. So a larger house will be a little bit more where I think other designers are spending more time on their setups, mostly because it's not they haven't perfected the systems on the back end. So for us, we were super intentional. Like I have a logistics gal who's handling all the logistics and all the ordering, either from Amazon, all of our trade, all of our U-Haul, all of our airplane, like all of that scheduling is happening on the back end so that our designers can focus on the design end and it's it's a rolling motion. So I will say that my bottleneck has been um, that, oh, sorry, 
Uh, my bottleneck, do I need to pause this? You're good. No? Okay. My bottleneck has been on the design side. Because it's been such a niche and because short-term rental design, you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you've been doing it for enough time. Like yep. that's been my, my, my biggest bottleneck. And again, business mistake that I learned early on is that I hired assistant designers thinking that they were going to pick up on the vacation rental aspect of it, you know, very quickly and not understanding that I had already come into it. Cause by the time I got to the point of hiring assistant designers, I was in it for about a year and some change and I was running the projects on my own. And then I had expanded to running them with handymen. So by the time I got to that point, I didn't know how much I knew about the difference between your everyday design setup and your hospitality design setup. So I just assumed that it would be an easy learning curve. And I have learned that it's not an easy learning curve. So for me, my business is not growing as quickly as I would like it to be. Um, but I've had to accept that there is an aspect of quality over quantity and that it's okay to say no. And, and, and luckily we're at the point now, because when you're first starting out, you turn down these jobs and you're like, I may never get another one. Oh, this is the end. Like you get like that panic stage. Um, especially since like, this is my, this is my livelihood. This is all I have. Like this is, I don't have a backup job. This isn't a side gig. This was, this was it. So there was that bit of like panic and pressure and I had to step back after there were a couple of projects that assistant designers had messed up and I went out there to fix it because it's under my name and my brand and that aspect was important to me, but of course it cost the company. So at some point you realize that you're starting to take certain business losses that you have to step back and reevaluate what you do. So now I have a much longer lead time with my assistant designers, which again, makes it a little bit slower than I want to. So I had to project my three-year goal out to a five-year goal, but it doesn't change that. It just makes it, and, and I think there's going to be that tipping point in that once I have enough quality lead designers that have gone through our entire program, um, both the academy assistant design and then work their way to lead design, then I have multiple of them. So now it just becomes exponentially that they can actually take people under their wing. It's just getting them to that point. So my ideal goal was to have like regional teams, but now it's not that we're, that is still the goal. It's just that we are still traveling regionally instead of having teams based in each one. But at some point we'll get there as the curve keeps, keeps growing. Where, what areas would you want designers in next? So I am based out of Austin specifically yeah. when I'm home. Um, but again, we travel, we travel everywhere. We, I don't think there's a, there might be two States that we haven't touched yet. So ideally, you know, in my, my ideal world, having regional headquarters and part of it has been really good. Like as we're sourcing, cause what happens is we, we go to certain places and I'm like, God, I wish I had a warehouse. Cause I know that this is going to be perfect for a very specific thing. And I just wish I had a warehouse to take it. So like, Ideally, we will have headquarters, you know, um, probably out in California, probably Florida, most likely Tennessee, somewhere in the Midwest, and then somewhere up north so that we can touch every aspect. And then me being in Austin, that's part of the reason that I'm here is that it's five hours to either coast. 
So it allows a lot of flexibility in that sense. So I think that's the goal when it comes to headquarters and then being able to actually implement like internship programs with the academy, those kind of things. But, you know, those are still three or four steps down the road. Yeah, so interesting. Um, <laughs> the A lot of times the people that are like, I mean, we, we tend to oversupply markets. And especially now I feel like with the amount of information out there and how many people are learning about it, we're continuing yeah. to pour in. So that could be still be good for your business, right? Because you're doing the setup, right? You're not necessarily involved in the profitability of somebody's business. You're just making their their property look incredible. So what do you see as the trends for your business? I mean, do you, do you see continued growth for five, 10 years? What do you see happening in the future? I do. I think there's going to be continued growth. And the reason that's, and I've had to really evaluate that myself, especially seeing how market trends have changed in general. I think that it's a very flexing and it's going to flex. And I think there's going to be cycles every two to three years where it's going to look different. But if you think about hospitality overall, there's a reason why hotels stay. There's a reason why they have longevity. There's a reason why even bed and breakfast stay. There's a longevity. People want experiences and people travel. So the combination of those two, I think, leads toward the fact that this will always be a market. So, um, you know, Airbnb may look vastly different three years from now. They, we may have had to force ourselves through regulation to be more of an actual bed and breakfast style. But that doesn't mean that what we do is hindered. It just means that actually our expertise in setting up and really knowing the hospitality industry becomes more valuable in helping investors transition and learn through those waves. Um, and then as we move, you know, into more of boutique hotel spaces, because that's becoming very common, is that investors have started out in one or two houses and they realize that they want to do a little bit bigger. So transitioning boutique hotels, even having them run as individual STRs, you know, knowing the markets and the fluxes, and then as the regulations are coming to fruition and we're seeing a lot of court rulings start to come up, my background was law. I went to law school before I did any of this. So while I don't practice, it's I'm obviously keeping my eye on, in tune to what's happening. So understanding how we can figure out how to navigate some of these things and give our best advice to investors um, is also something that I think will always be there. What's the vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? 12 to 18. Oh, Lordy, have mercy. 12 to 18 months. Um, surprisingly, I'm actually going to take a va I haven't taken a vacation in three years. A three, I'm taking an actual vacation, which is nice. <laughs> um, but 12 to 18 months, uh, 12 to 18 months, I would like to have partnered with and released my first branded experience hotel. And then to have two of my, one of my regional teams is up and running completely. I would like to have the second one up and running completely. And then to have launched my design academy correctly to start bringing in people and doing an internship program under that. Amazing. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing about your of life course. and your business. For those of you out there listening, there's so much to learn from today. I This is such a cool business model for those that love design and love to fly around the country and learn things and establish things. So, so, so thankful you came and shared this with us. For, but for those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today's episode, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in.
Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 